Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your love. Um, we thank you for the opportunity for the kids to gather together and uh, Lord, and, uh, and to celebrate that love in creative ways and loud ways and, and uh, ways that uh, use up energy and excitement. And so um, thank you for uh, the gift of uh, the kids in the kingdom. Um, but we also thank you that uh, regardless of what age we are, uh, that we're your sons and daughters adopted through the shed blood and resurrection of Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that uh, you continue uh, to pour out that love into our lives through the personal work of Jesus and the Word. And so as we turn to the Word, um, we pray, uh, Lord, that you'd open up our hearts and minds to whatever that message is you have for us today uh, to hear uh, about that love, about that power, um, and about that life of faith you're calling each and every one of us to. We love you, and thank you for loving us. And all God's people said, amen. All right, well, grace, uh, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Give me another amen. 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 All right, well, today is the uh, fourth Sunday after Easter, and I know uh, on the secular calendar it's Mother's Day, right? And uh, we'll spend some time later on in our time of prayer giving thanks for your mother or a mother-like figure in your life who is representative of that uh, for you. But on the church calendar, it's what's called Good Shepherd Sunday, all right? Good Shepherd Sunday. And that means that we're going to have some readings for today, uh, which open up this idea to you and me that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, right? You've heard of that. In fact, we've got a, a church in a, a Christian community just east of here, right, called Good Shepherd, right? Um, and some Lutheran churches are named Good Shepherd and ministries are named Good Shepherd. And so why is this idea of a, of a good shepherd important uh, in the life of the people of God? Well, let's look at that then and, and unpack it for ourselves and hopefully apply it to our life of, uh, life of faith. So we're going to do this. We're going to start with a text, all right, from uh, Psalms, and it's Psalm 23. Imagine that, right? Because Psalm 23 is known as the Good Shepherd Psalm, right? So let me read it to you. Um, it's going to be very familiar, even if you didn't grow up in church, it'll be familiar to you because it is really part of culture. Um, but let's touch on that. All right, so David writes this, the Lord is my shepherd. Read it with me. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I would put before you that psalm. Again, whether in the church or outside of the church, is probably one of the most well-known scriptures, right? Uh, to believers and unbelievers alike, right? Non-Christians, right? It's printed, it's posted, it's pervade on everything from greeting cards to, uh, to coffee mugs, and I bet it's plastered on your grandmother's refrigerator, right? <laughs> Psalm 23 is the go-to scripture. 
It's also, as I said earlier, the Good Shepherd Psalm. And it's been the Good Shepherd Psalm even before anybody had an idea of, well, who's the Good Shepherd? Well, anyway, today, as I said, is Good Shepherd Sunday. And we want to unpack the meaning of that life as it pertains to Jesus, right? Whom we confess to be Good Shepherd. Because as we look at that psalm, as you heard the words and you read them for yourself, I hope you picked up on a few things of the psalmist. I hope you saw in that psalm confidence. I hope you saw in that psalm certainty. I hope you saw in that psalm a clarity of faith with which the person of work of he who saves is articulated in such a way that it's captured the hearts and minds of generations around the world and across the ages, right? In fact, I would put it so much so that this little piece of Hebrew poetry, right, is in some ways can be taken for granted because it's so much a part of our culture. But it's important, and it's important in our understanding of the Good Shepherd, and so what I want to do with this text is mirror it to another text, right, the one from the Gospel of John and where we see the person and work of Jesus as it relates to this psalm. So let me read to you uh, from the Gospel of John. Now, this is John chapter 10. John 10 is commonly called uh, the Good Shepherd chapter, right? I'm only going to read to you uh, eight verses. So if you're interested later this week in learning a little bit more about the Good Shepherd and Jesus as the Good Shepherd, you actually read the whole chapter, all right? Because that's much of, uh, much of the understanding for that, but I think we can, we can get something out of it today. So here's how the text goes. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us, but plainly, right? Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. All right, so Psalm 23, John chapter 10. How do we understand this? Well, I would put it to you this way. Understand Jesus' role as the good shepherd through a threefold effect, all right, or three, three ways, a relationship, a threefold relationship with us as his sheep, all right? First, he has a loving relationship with us, right, because he died for the sheep. He has a living relationship uh, because he cares for the sheep, and he has a lasting relationship uh, because he keeps the sheep, and the sheep are kept from being lost, all right? So loving, living, and lasting. All right, that's your alliteration uh, for this morning. I want you to kind of think about in terms of your relationship with Jesus, his love for you, and John chapter 10 and the Good Shepherd. So loving, living, and lasting. All right, so let's start with loving. All right, this is first. What does this look like? Well, a couple of scriptures which define this type of love for us. Uh, The first one comes from 1 John chapter 4. Let's read this together. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, 
not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. All right, or this text from Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this, Jesus, that's the who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Sacrifice, selflessness, self-denying. He rejects what is rightfully his so that we would share in his righteousness. He does not count our sins against us, but rescues us not only from what kills us, but what also condemns us. So love, in this instance, right, is not perhaps a... Y'all familiar with Thomas Kincaid paintings? All right, you familiar with that, Thomas Kincaid, or, or maybe a better, uh, better example of that is, is, you know, it's Mother's Day, right? So we're, we're thinking about mothers and, and hopefully honoring mothers. And, and if you had a great relationship and you had a loving mother, um, you know, you tend to think, well, maybe Jesus' care and concern is, is, is like that loving mother, right? But in this particular instance, this is a different type of sacrificial love than per se mom or a mother-like figure gave you. This is Jesus for us, but for us giving his life. This is Jesus taking upon himself our sin and condemnation. Brothers and sisters, this is not the idyllic love of a mother that's compassionate and gentle. This is violent So as strange as it may look and sound, the shepherd gives his life for the sheep so that the sheep might have life. That's the type of love he wants us to see. That's the type of love that the shepherd has for the sheep. That's the type of love that God has for you. All right, so think about the idea of love, but then with love as a foundation, get to this idea of living, all right? What do we mean about this living relationship that he has initiated with you and me, right, as the sheep of his flock? Well, Isaiah 40 is a good place to start. The prophet writes this, uh, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So you can, you can get a sense of the, the perhaps living relationship that you have and the provision that comes through that relationship and, and uh, you get a sense of the, the care and the concern using this agrarian uh, imagery. But for you and me and, and for believers around the world and across the ages, it is his provision, it is his care, but it's also his peace for us which surpasses all our understanding despite uh, our circumstances. He offers this to anyone who will receive it. You know, earlier I said if you were interested in learning more about Jesus as the Good Shepherd, you should read all of chapter 10. And I'll give you an example why, okay? Because earlier in John chapter 10, in fact, verse 10, Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life. Who is they? They is you, right? Me, the sheep. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But what does he mean by fullness? What does he mean by fullness? Well, think about it this way. If you go back to Psalm 23, again, I want to mirror these two texts. 
There's a lot of pronouns in it. Would you mind putting that back up if that's not too difficult? Thank you. There's a lot of pronouns in it, first, second, and third pronouns, right? A lot of I, he, me, you, your, right? And that heavy use of pronouns reminds us that this is about relationship. This is about relationship between people. This is about relationship between God and his, his creation. This is a relationship about you and your Savior. This is about the good shepherd and his sheep. And so this is what it means to, 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 to have life in abundance is to know uh, the very presence of the shepherd in your life uh, through that loving and living relationship. A relationship not only about proclaiming, that's the living aspect, but also this provision. I mean, as I said earlier, I think it's safe to say no psalm touches the heart and mind of people more than this one. Am I right? It's even more profound than I said earlier than a mother's loving care, no matter how good your mother was or a mother-like figure. You know, this past week, um, I was at a pastor's conference in Austin, Texas. Woo-hoo! Yeah. So, but the presenter, one of the reasons I only went, is the presenter was one of my uh, professors uh, from seminary who is now a parish pastor in Indiana, but he was the one who I learned Hebrew from, and he also uh, taught on the book of Isaiah, and so really engendered for me this, this deep love and appreciation for the book of Isaiah. But the topic for our three days in Austin for this pastor's conference was the prophet Zechariah. Woo! <laughs> now, what a lot of Christians forget is that Zechariah, more than any other Old Testament prophet, is quoted the most in the New Testament, all right? But a lot of Christians have never even read Zechariah. Uh, it's a short book, uh, but nonetheless. So it's, it's important, and it sounds like I'll be doing a little teaching and preaching on Zechariah, right, um, at some point. Um, but here, here's what, why I bring this up. What he reminded us of in terms of reading the Hebrew text is one of the ways in which Hebrew tells its story, one of the ways in which the narration is delivered, the poetry uh, is spoken, is that often when you read Hebrew, the meaning is situated right in the middle of the text, right? That there's so much creativity going on in, in the production of the story or the, or the song or the, the psalm or the poem, whatever, that more often than not, in the very middle of the text, all right, is the foundation, is, is what the author wants you to pull out uh, from that text, okay? Uh, so, for example, I'm going to give you uh, th- this from Psalm 23, okay? The center is verse 4. The center of the psalm is verse 4, specifically the words, you are with me. Think about that. You are with me. This whole psalm, you can see, if you go back and read the psalm and think about those four words uh, in light of reading the psalm, yeah, it makes sense. Everything that the psalmist writes, David, writes around those four words makes sense in the context of what it means for the good shepherd to be with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are, what, with me, right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, right? Uh, so you can see, uh, you know, but so everything swings 
on those four words. All those pronouns, right, uh, swirl about that affirmation of faith, that certainty, that clarity, uh, that recognition of the very profound presence of God in the lives of his people, an abundant life, but an abundance that is brought about by the presence of Christ himself, right? Not by the things of the world, uh, but by Christ himself, the good shepherd, the center of our existence. I mean, think about it this way. Um, you won't have a shepherd, let alone a good one, unless the shepherd's actually with the sheep, right? <laughs> if you don't have a shepherd with the sheep, the sheep are just sheep. <laughs> so we're reminded of his living, his loving, certainly meeting the needs that we have materially, right? His vocation, spiritually through the gifts of baptism, the word, this table of grace and belonging behind me emotionally. We have access to the Heavenly Father through prayer, relationally, the gifts of family and friends and the body of Christ. And I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, but Carl Zorn in his commentary on the Psalm 23 said this, the way to the new heavens and the new earth leads through the old valleys and the deep shadowy gorges of our brokenness, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Where there is no sun nor star of hope, death and destruction lie in wait. But even in such places, I fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. So if you get anything from this morning, right? It's those four words. You are with me. This living Savior, a loving Savior, His very real presence in our lives. So maybe the point of application for you is to consider something in your life or consider a loved one and, and something they're going through, right? Where His presence is needed. Or we're called to acknowledge faith and, and trust as we walk through the valley of that shadow, whatever it is. Medical, emotional, relational, right? The challenge for you to me is to give consideration is how is God's presence, the good shepherd, how's it going to make a difference for us? Because we're going to go through the very same things that, that others go through who don't have Jesus, right? How do we respond? How do we witness through what we experience based on the presence of Christ in our lives? So we're living, we've got a loving, and now a lasting, right? Verses 28 and 29 of the text. This is from John chapter 10. Um, this is, yeah, 20, 29. Jesus says this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So a couple of things at work. I'm seeing in John 10, Jesus gives eternal life, right? And he's already said he'll give abundant life to, to the sheep. Um, and that eternal and abundant life is his presence. That eternal and abundant life is himself. That eternal and abundant life is his life for ours. So in knowing his sheep and giving them to life, giving them life, he says they shall never perish, right? Because brothers and sisters, it's simply Jesus' power which makes the sacrificial love possible. Jesus' power in our lives, which gives us life in that living relationship. And finally, Jesus' power, which makes it a lasting 
relationship. And this idea that our ultimate security rests on the good shepherd and the good shepherd alone. You don't have to perform a bunch of good works to solidify your place in heaven, right? But what's interesting, too, is as Jesus has explained to us, all this action on our behalf, everything here is not independent of his relationship with the Father, all right? It's all dependent and connected to, um, you know, where our... um, where our human parents, and I even speak from my own experience, right? We fail. And our human parents failed us, right? They weren't perfect. You know, how long did it take you to recognize, right? <laughs> I'm sure my kids have figured that out already, right? And even as we, we you know, step back and honor moms in May and dads in June, the reality of it is we're children of God. The reality of it is we've been brought to, to life, faith, right, by God himself. And so Jesus, Jesus, as he carries out his work, this is an embodiment of the Father's will, all right? You remember, you know, speaking of parenting, you remember how you were growing up and you said, well, I'm never going to be like my parents, And yet you've come to discover as you've gotten older, well, yeah, I guess what? I do a few of the things that they used to do that I said I would never do, right? (laughs) Come on. Let's be honest. And in this case, thankfully, we can say the same for Jesus. That the work he carries out, he carries out because he's got the, the character and qualities and he comes from the Father and because he says they're one, right? And in saying that they're one, He's saying that the Father himself ultimately stands behind the preservation of the sheep. That's you and me. Because what's asked, and it sort of goes without saying, but it's asked in a sense, who can steal from God? Who can rob God's sheep from him? Who's got the wits, the power, the strength to overcome God's sovereignty? My Father. Jesus says, who is greater than, greater than anyone, greater than all. No one can. You know, one of the things that uh, reminds me, I think, most, I think, pointedly about Jesus' love for you actually comes at the agony of his crucifixion. I realize we're past Holy Week and Easter. But when Jesus is on the cross, John chapter 17 records this, when he's in isolation, he actually hands the sheep off. Who does he give the sheep to? This is a pub question, right? He gives the sheep to God. He says, Father, Father, I commend them to you. And so think about this idea of loving, living, and lasting, all right? Think about your particular situation. Maybe things are going really great. Maybe things aren't so great, right? Maybe you got someone in life who, who they, things are struggle for them. But think about all that in the context of this, the Apostle Paul, Romans 8, 28, right? Who shall separate us from the what? The love of God. 
He goes on to write, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not a yet. <laughs> I don't know how else you say nothing and no in other languages. <laughs> Think about that. Because there's nothing to separate us from God's living and loving relationship, then it simply means it's lasting. So I would put this before you. So whether you're working through Psalm 23 or you're working through John 10, thanks be to God for the good shepherd who keeps his sheep in a loving, living, and lasting relationship. Amen. Amen.